Friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Before I dive into our welcome and normal announcements here today, I'm going to turn it over to a few folks who have a minute for mission for you as we enter into worship this morning. Monica, did you hear what Puxatawney Phil predicted for the weather? I did. He saw a shadow, which, which means we're in for six more months of winter-like weather. Ugh. Well, that's not the news we wanted to hear. I can't imagine being out in this cold any longer. I need spring. Anyway, that reminds me. We do have some important information to share with everyone. During the month of March, Morrisville Presbyterian Church will be hosting Code Blue on behalf of AHTN, that's Advocates for Homeless and Those in Need. This organization offers the homeless in the area, and yes, even Lower Bucks County has homeless, a, a place to stay overnight when conditions are below 26 degrees. During March, we will be opening Fellowship Hall to the homeless guests for a home-cooked meal and a warm place to stay overnight. Wow, that is great. And if any of our guests want to play manhunt while we're here, I can give them some good places to hide downstairs. Is there anything else we can do to help? <laughs> Actually, yes. We are looking for volunteers to assist with this effort, whether it's cooking a meal or a dessert or helping some evening when Code Blue is called. You know, I think the youth can also help. During Youth Sunday next week, we'll start collecting some of the food items. Whether it is a bottle of salad dressing, a box of single serving of cereal, or even a $10 bill, any help will, any bit of help will help Code Blue. <laughs> and anything we don't use can also be used for our food center. You won't miss us. We'll be holding soup pots and wearing our favorite NFL um, Eagles attire since it is Super Bowl Sunday. Great idea. Thank you, Annika. Youth Sunday is one of my favorite services. No offense, Rachel. So thank you to the youth, as well as our generous congregation, for all the support to Code Blue. Look in your bulletin and the next issue of Currents for more details on Code Blue and how we can volunteer together. I'd just like to say one more thing. Go Eagles! <laughs> Thank you all very much. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, friends, we welcome you today. Whether you are here in our sanctuary or joining us from afar, we welcome you. It is a joy to be worshiping with each of you this day. If you are in our pews, there is a red friendship folder. I invite you to take that, note your presence with us, and pass it to your neighbors so they can do the same. If you are visiting, we would love the chance to follow up with you in the week to come. So we just invite you to include enough information so we can do that successfully in the coming days. We would love to be in touch. A couple things to draw your attention to in your bulletin. The first being our nominating committee announcement is still here, reminding you of our current officers and also interesting ways that you can nominate people for new office, for deacons, elders, or trustees in our midst. Please be in touch with Dan Jones. He's gonna wave his hand again for you back there. Dan Jones, if you have nominations to offer, uh, the nominating committee is beginning their work today. And so we want
want to hear from you as we continue uh, in important leadership in the life of our church. Additionally, there is a very important announcement in your bulletin about our youngest disciples needing your help. I can personally attest to the fact that one of the most important ministries we offer on Sunday morning, other than worship, is childcare, so that parents may worship freely, so that they can know their children are in safe and capable hands, and we need volunteers for this faithful ministry in the mornings on Sunday. If you would be willing to volunteer, I don't care if it's once a month or once every six months, any, any part of that would be helpful. Our children and family chair, Carol Carpenter, she's going to wave, and also our nursery coordinator, who's in the nursery right now, are going to be waiting for you after worship today to see if you can sign up and give some of your time and energy toward this important Sunday morning ministry. I also want to extend a particular welcome today to Troop 3 and PAC 3 and all those who are affiliated with them, as you may have noted, today is also Scout Sunday as we recognize the long relationship between MPC and Troop 3. The Boy Scouts of America was founded in February of 1910, and our church has been supporting Troop 3 as its charter organization since February of 1911. So that is 112 years. Morrisville's Troop 3 is the oldest continuous recorded troop in Bucks County, and it is also one of the oldest in the United States. Today, our very own Lou Moore is also receiving a 70-year pin for 70 years of faithful service to the Boy Scouts of America. So please, thank you. We are grateful for your many years of service, Lou. In your bulletin, you can read more about Scout Sunday. This group of young men will be hosting our fellowship hour this morning in the lounge. And in addition to enjoying conversation with one another and snacks, I hope that you will greet them and welcome them and give thanks for them and thank them for the incredible gifts they offer to our community and the life that they bring to our church. So you are always welcome here, Troop 3, Pack 3, you are always welcome here and is a gift to be serving in ministry alongside you. Friends, we give thanks for the fullness of our life together as this morning has already been testament to. And so let us open our hearts and our minds to worship God in this place. Let us worship God together. stand in spirit and body as you're able and join me in the responsive call to worship found in your bulletin. Mm -hmm. 
We gather for a time of wonder and worship. We gather to sing hymns that call us home. Here we are welcomed into God's words that inspire. Here we are welcomed into God's words that challenge. Here we know the irresponsible grace of God that extends radical hospitality even to us. Here we are known and loved. May our lives be a reflection of the God we know and love. May our worship be pleasing to God alone. Please continue to stand and join in singing hymn number 366, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling.
My friends, it is true that we have sinned, but it is a greater truth that we are forgiven. And so we can come to God with confidence that God will hear us and make us clean and white as snow, reminded of God's grace in all that we do. So let us come before God and offer our prayer of confession together. Let us pray. Merciful God, forgive us, for we exalt ourselves and mock the humble. We choose to believe we are self-sufficient rather than trust in your strength. All that we have is a gift from you, yet we do not live lives of gratitude. We ignore strangers and turn from those in need. We seek honor for ourselves and allow pride to take root in us. Forgive our foolish ways, O God. Open us to your spirit that we might serve all people without regard to the outcome, devoting ourselves to your honor alone. Restore us to you that we may walk in the way of love. People of God, because of God's unmatched love for each of us, we are a new people, recipients of a grace beyond our wildest dreams, and so as forgiven, embraced, and beloved children of God, let us proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia and amen. having received the abundance of God's grace for each of us, we know a peace that passes understanding. And so let us now turn to one another and offer that peace of Christ, the peace of Christ be with you. And we respond and also with you. Turn to one another, share signs of peace with one another. Let us pray. God, who is always speaking to us, we pray you would continue to speak to us through these stories of your people and cultures and contexts so different than ours. May your spirit open our hearts and minds to receive the truth you spoke then and are speaking now for us today. Amen. This is a reading from Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 3. 
15 through 16, slightly different from what's in your bulletin. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as if you yourself were being tortured. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. sit back here. Do we have young friends today? I see one. Anybody else? Oh man. Cool. All right. All right. Do you know what this is? Yeah. What's usually in an envelope? Exactly. How do you feel when you get these in the mail? Do you ever get letters in the mail? Excited. Yeah. Very excited. What do they usually say? Yeah, people saying they hope you're doing well, right? Did you know that the Bible is full of letters? Christians like us who love Jesus would write letters to one another, giving advice to each other about how to follow Jesus. So the scripture I read just a minute ago, could you tell that was a letter? It's kind of a weird letter. Yeah, come on up. We have room for more. I need more folks to answer my questions anyway. You're doing great, Tucker. I'm putting you on the spot. Hi, Ashley. You want to come? Ashlyn, sorry. That's okay. I'm Tori. Have we met before? Yeah. Okay, we have. Cool. Okay, so we're talking about this letter. And guess what? The scripture I read is a list of advice. And I wrote the whole list out in this letter. Mm-hmm. So we have a cheat sheet here. Can you read any of this advice? You want to tell us what it is? Love each other. Yep. Be kind to strangers. Remember prisoners. Yeah. Do good. Do good. Share Amazing. What a great list, right? It's pretty good advice. It's the same kind of advice we might write in letters today to our friends, right? Do you write letters to your friends sometimes? I guess people send texts more often now, huh? (laughs) I wrote letters when I was a kid. Yeah. It's important to us as Christians that we love each other, we do good, we share what we have, and we're also supposed to remember people who are suffering like people who are in prison. Sometimes it's easy for us to get other people who are in pain because if we're not in pain, we forget, right? And we can't always see them. But letters like these help us to remember. And there are lots of people in pain who need love and support, right? And to be remembered, whether that's our neighbors or strangers or people who are in prison. So I'm thinking if we try to follow this advice this week, maybe we could write a letter to somebody we know who's suffering, right? Or just alone, and we can tell them we remember them. Does that sound good? Sounds like a fun thing to do this week? All right. You guys want to pray with me? All right, you can all pray with me. Dear God, Dear God 
Thank you for remembering us. Thank you for remembering us. Please help us. Please help us to remember those who need your love. To remember those who need your love. Amen. Amazing. You all can go for a time of music with Mr. Tim back there. I'm gonna go back to the music. You are? Okay, cool. Friends, our gospel reading today comes from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, verses 7 through 14. Listen for the word of God. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us this day. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us this day. And to that end, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, you'll remember that we left off with a party. A party celebrating the lost and the least with a lingering invitation for everyone to come. To come and celebrate the unfathomable grace of God. And today we start with another party. Well, two parties to be exact. In the story of the first party, Jesus invites party guests to consider where they might sit, encouraging them to choose a more lowly seat away from the seats of honor. Through the example of the second party, Jesus invites party hosts 
to consider who's on their guest list. Is it a list meant to move one's social station onward and upward? Or is it a list that includes the lost and the least? And in response to these stories about party guests and party hosts, we may easily wonder, well, what in the world does this have to do with me? Which was likely the same question the Pharisees were asking Jesus as he spoke to them about seating assignments and guest lists. What does this have to do with me? Well, you tell me. Because I'll confess, I often breathe a sigh of relief when I arrive at a party or some, some fancy dinner where I have been given an assigned seat. It alleviates the stress and the anxiety about claiming a spot before the best are taken. There's no awkward hovering over a particular table, making small talk, or attempting to secure more than one seat so you can save one for your friend. It's already been decided. There's freedom in it. But this means someone else has rolled the dice for you, and you don't know who you're going to end up next to. Will the name to your right or to your left cause you to sigh in relief or grit your teeth and wonder how you're going to make it through this meal? Perhaps you could quietly switch the names while no one is noticing. But then there's anxiety when the seats are not assigned and it's everyone for themselves. Maybe you want to sit close to the guest of honor, but not so close that it's obvious. Or maybe you think, I'll sit in the center of the action, but then you run the risk of a conversation happening over here and a conversation happening over here, and you're stuck between the two. Or think about a wedding. A wedding when you're given a table number and an assigned seat. Table 19? Well, that's way in the back. I've known the bride her entire life. Table four. All right, next to the wedding party and the family, look at me. I imagine some of this sounds familiar. We've all struggled to know where to sit at a party or been disgruntled when we've ended up somewhere we didn't want to be or next to someone we didn't want to be near at all. And sometimes we may feel we have very legitimate reasons for feeling as we do. But other times, other times our status-driven souls take the wheel. Suddenly we're worried about how our seat or our seat mate will make us look. How will other people perceive me based on where I'm sitting? How do I perceive myself based on where I'm sitting? What will they think of me? There's a longing for status that lingers just below the surface and just behind our excuses. And Jesus knows it. Jesus knows that we, like the Pharisees, are prone to this mode of thinking. Which is why he takes the time to tell not one, but two stories about party etiquette. But to be clear, 
It's not the party etiquette that explains which fork to use or how you should never show up empty-handed. Quite the opposite. These instructions Jesus gives have far more to do with the state of our own hearts and souls. Just like last week, Jesus is not content for us to simply see the point of his story. He wants us to see ourselves within it. He wants us to be willing to hold up a mirror to our own hearts and ask the tough questions like, how often? How often do we, in our basic everyday decision-making, as simple as going to a party or hosting one, how often do we see ourselves as better than others? Or more important than others? How do we explicitly or even accidentally communicate to other children of God, you are not as important as me? How have we failed to see God in each other? Keep in mind that once again, Jesus is telling these parables to the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees? Today, they would be considered well-meaning, good church people. Good church people who on some level just want their good works, their good behavior, their good deeds to count for something. But just as we learned last week, and the week before, and the week before that, that's not how grace works. It's not something we deserve nor is it something we can earn. It is a gift, freely given. And Jesus is subtly, or perhaps not so subtly, reminding us how easily we think about our own status in relationship to others. Mentally picking apart who belongs and who doesn't. Who's on the inside and who's on the outside? Who deserves to be here and who doesn't? And that's not how grace works. Back in October of 2022, Jason Michelli preached at the Mockingbird Ministries Conference in Tyler, Texas. And in his sermon, he shared a story about a comedy of errors Christmas pageant that had been put together in a little church that he used to serve in the Blue Ridge Mountains. When it came time for the performance, he began, I sat on the bench in the back of the sanctuary, and the usher for the day sat next to me. His name was Mike. Mike was an insurance auditor. He led a Bible study on Wednesday mornings that met at the diner. He delivered meals on wheels. He chaired the church council. He supervised the coat closet. He mentored kids in the juvenile justice system. He was that little church's most generous donor. Mike sat down, fixed his reading glasses, opened his program, and began mumbling names under his breath. Mary played by. Elizabeth played by. Wise man number one played by. 
His voice was barely above a whisper, but his voice was thick with contempt. Of all the people, of all the nerve, and I knew immediately what he was implying. Or I knew immediately what had gotten under his skin. There were no teenage girls in the congregation, so Mary was played by a grown woman named Pam. Pam, who was married to Roger, a man more than twice her age. She'd married Roger only after splitting up his previous marriage. Of the three magi, one of them had scandalized the church by ruining his father's business to fund his gambling habit. Another wise man was separated from his wife, but not legally so, and was living with another woman. Reluctantly shepherding the elementary age shepherds was a high school junior who'd been busted earlier that year for drug possession. The man playing Zechariah, the father of Jesus' cousin John, he owned a construction company and had been accused of and charged with fraud by several customers in town, including a few in the congregation. And Mike, the insurance auditor seated next to me, held the program for the Christmas pageant in his hands, and he read the cast members' names under his breath, and he rolled up that program and poked me with it. Just when the angel was delivering his news to Mary, Mike whispered into my ear, who picked the cast for this? Who chose them? Who chose her to play Mary? And he gestured up front at Roger's trophy wife and shook his head in disgust. It's one thing for her to even show her face here Sunday after Sunday, but this do you really, really think she's the sort of person who should be starring in this story for our church and our community? What have you been preaching to her, Pastor? Go and sin some more? Well, the narrator for the pageant that year was a woman named Betty. Betty was old and incredibly tiny, no bigger than the children in costume that morning. Emphysema was killing Betty a breath at a time, and so along with her came a walker and an oxygen tank. Betty had to be helped up into the pulpit once the performance began. And as the children finished their opening song and the wise men and shepherds took their places, Betty spread out her script, and in a soft, raspy voice, she began to tell the story. Not with Luke, or with John, but with Matthew. And the cadence of Betty's delivery was dictated by the mask that she had to put over her face every few seconds to fill her lungs with air. She shall bear a son, breath. And you are to name him Jesus, breath. For he will save his people from their sins, breath. Except that morning, Betty didn't start by narrating the story. She went off script. The Bible tells us about God being born as Jesus, Betty said. 
only after a long list of all the people who came before him. Breath. Emmanuel, God with us. Breath. Comes from a family tree every bit as knotted as ours. Breath. A family of scoundrels and unbelievers. Breath. Prostitutes and murderers. Breath. Cheats and those consumed by their resentment of being cheated upon. Breath. All the way back to Abraham. Breath. Who wasn't righteous. Breath but was reckoned so only on the basis of faith. Breath. Christ comes from a family just like us. Breath. He comes from sinners for sinners. And I looked over at Mike who had been standing in the narthex handing out programs. When the pageant began, Mike's cheeks had been bright red, the vein in his forehead had been throbbing. So outrageous and incredulous was he that we were telling the story of our Savior with these kinds of people. But hearing that little tiny woman utter the gospel promise, he hung his head. He looked embarrassed, as though the Holy Spirit had just smacked him upside the head. I wonder if that's how the Pharisees felt when Jesus held a mirror to their hearts that day. And frankly, I wonder if we're supposed to feel a little embarrassed too. Aware of the many ways we do the same thing. Comparing ourselves to others, seeking status and honor and prominence, or at least deeming some of God's children less worthy than we are. Like the Pharisees and like Mike, I think Jesus knows how faithful we try to be, how much good we seek to offer the world, how much time and energy we spend giving to the church and trying to follow as Christ calls. I think Jesus knows it. But like the Pharisees and like Mike, Jesus also knows how easily we pass judgment Jesus knows how easily we seek prominence, convinced we're more important than others, than others, or that some people simply aren't as worthy as we are. And it doesn't feel good to know this about ourselves. To hold up a mirror and know that this parable is about us too, it doesn't feel good. And so we could do what we often do with things that don't make us feel good. We could just ignore it and move along with our lives. 
Or perhaps we could see Jesus' invitation to the Pharisees as an invitation for us too. Remember, Jesus began these party parables by inviting some action from the hearer. When you're invited to a wedding banquet, do this. When you throw a party, do this. Practice this. Do this. Take your status out of the equation. Invite someone who can't return the favor. Enjoy a meal with someone who, when you're honest, you would never think to sit next to. Practice this. Do this. Because it turns out a life of faith requires action. But a new kind of action. Action that goes against our status-seeking instincts. Action that may feel strange to us or uncomfortable at first, and yet action. Action that tells the story of God's grace more powerfully than we ever could. But remember, all you well-meaning church folk, Jesus implores, Remember that you're taking action, but you're not practicing these things for the sake of those you're sitting alongside. You're practicing them for the sake of your own heart and soul, because as it turns out, you are in need of God's grace just as much as anybody else. Betty, the narrator, never made it to the next Christmas. She died that spring clutching the same promise she'd preached that Sunday in Advent, that no matter what, no matter what, God will deal with you tomorrow exactly as God dealt with you yesterday and today. By grace. And it turns out that grace is for the Pharisees and for Mike and for us too. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please join me in singing hymn number 282, Come Down, O Love Divine.
join me as we affirm our faith through these words from a brief statement of faith printed in your bulletin. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. Unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. As Christians, we remember those who are suffering, and oh, you may be seated. <laughs> This is our, our time for offering. As Christians, we remember those who are suffering, and we give without expecting anything in return. This is the work we have been called to. Let us consider during this time for offering how we might participate in offering up our time, our talents, and our treasures. Ushers, you may come forward. Thank you. 
may be seated. People of God, Jesus comes from a family tree, every bit as knotted as ours. And so when we gather around this table, we know we can bring our full selves, our sinful, broken selves, confident that God's love and God's grace, well, they're offered to us too. Confident that when we say this is the body of Christ broken for you, that means you too. For you, and for you, and for you. Because the truth about you is never what you see in the mirror, good or bad. The truth about you is always found in the broken piece of bread placed in your hand. You're no different than anyone else. You are loved. You are cherished. And so this is Christ's body for you. So together, friends, let us gather at this table and receive the gift of God's grace. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Indeed, it is right to give our thanks and praise to you, our holy God, the one whose table stretches to the far ends of the earth, the one whose invitation calls us to lay our burdens down. For you, God, speak through winter winds and cold ground. You sprinkle the frosted landscape with red berries and golden sunlight. Even against gray skies, your light persists. Your home is warm, full, and everlasting with the comfort we need to be our true selves. For all this, we give you thanks for all the ways you make yourself known and act in our world. You, most gracious God, sent us your Son to live and move and have being so that we may step into that mystery with divine possibility and human expression. We bring to this table not only our joys, but also our pleas for help as we cry out to our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for a world grappling with global tension, war, and hunger. We pray for our community with questions before us of unity and equality. We pray for all who are in need of an encouraging word, a good diagnosis, relief from strain, a healing body, a peaceful mind, a fuller heart. We pray that at this table, you might make yourself known to us so that our weary feet may have a reliable companion for the journey ahead. God, whose word hovers over all that springs forth life, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and cup, that they may be for us the bread of life and the cup of salvation. Show us the place you speak of, where all may let go of the weight on their shoulders and truly receive your rest. Show us our seat at this fine table so we may take and know your compassion, mercy, and grace forever. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray. 
saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And after he gave thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you and for you and for you and for you. Whenever you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do so remembering me. For friends, as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again in glory. Friends, today we will receive the Lord's Supper through intinction. We'll invite you to come forward by the center aisle, receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and eat and return to your seat by the side aisle. If you prefer a gluten-free or sealed option, those are available at the front. And if you are unable to come forward, we have a couple folks who will be more than happy to come and serve you where you are seated. I invite those who are serving to come forward. And as they do, friends, I invite you to come, you who have much faith, and you who would like to have more. Come you who have been to this table often, and come you who haven't been for a very long time. Come you who have tried to follow Jesus, and come you who have failed. Come you who welcome the gift of God's grace. And come you who still feel like it's something you have to earn. Come all of you, there is a party of grace happening at this table. And everyone is invited. So let us come and feast.
Merciful God, for the grace received in this sacrament, we give you thanks. For the love shared in this sacrament, we give you thanks. For the reminder of who we are in your eyes, loved, cherished, known, we give you thanks. May this meal strengthen us for the work ahead, so that all we do may honor you. Amen. I invite you to stand and join us in our closing hymn for everyone born. The lyrics are printed for you in your bulletin.
We go out, friends, filled with the love and grace of our God, knowing that grace in our bones, that we might have the wherewithal to share it with others. And as we go from this place, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.